0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to Being Well. I'm Forrest Hansen. And joining me for this very special holiday edition of the podcast is one of my absolutely favorite people, Elizabeth Ferreira. Elizabeth, thanks for doing this with me today.
1: I'm so excited. You know, we were just talking the other day, also watching British Bake. Uh, baking show <laughs> Great and British you know house, we were yes. watching you know the holiday special and in a moment of late night chat we were like why don't we do a Christmas special we should
0: do a Being Well holiday special and I was like what's it gonna be on Elizabeth
1: well we're gonna find out <laughs> And that's, and that's about as far as we
0: got. And here we are right now. So uh, a little bit more about Elizabeth. If you haven't listened to any of the previous episodes with her, she has a master's in somatic psychology. She's currently working as an associate therapist. That means that in California, you need to earn, I think it's 3,000 hours before you can get your license of working with people. And she's uh, grinding her way through those hours very diligently. Mm-hmm. So she's working with people and she specializes in trauma work. And I think that both based on your work with people around this time of year and a little bit of your own personal history, you were just interested in doing something that like hopefully people would find kind of supportive and helpful and just kind of bring people into our home here.
1: I'm just going to name it. Sometimes the holidays suck. Yeah. You know, there can be a lot of pressure to be a certain way, you know, to hang out with your family, especially if you don't like them or just feel those pressures. yeah, It can be very pressuring. So I thought, hmm, what if we just invited some folks via the podcast, know, the podcast or video, YouTube. whatever, just to like come and hang out with us. Yeah. So if you're feeling lonely or a little bit sad, or if you're like me and you isolate and just watch Harry Potter on Christmas, you can join us and we welcome you into our home. So it might
0: make sense if you're comfortable doing it to just like share a little bit about your history with the holidays. Uh, You've gone on a bit of a journey over just like the period of our relationship and I think a good bit more before then.
1: Mm -hmm. So Christmas was always challenging and there were also a lot of challenging, frankly, traumatic moments that would happen around the holidays. My family is pretty chaotic and Mm -hmm. there was a lot of chaos growing up and you would just feel really alone. And ever since I was a kid, Christmas was just really this sad, lonely time, even mm-hmm. though I was around people. And I think I, at being a sensitive person in myself, I also felt just the stress of it all and mostly attuned to how stressful everything was. So it wasn't great.
0: I mean, just in the time that I've known you, It feels like you've gone on just a real journey with it. Mm -hmm. Like you've become, I wouldn't say necessarily more of a Christmas person. Although you did, you did have us go and get a tree. I did. Which was like a real movement into the holiday spirit Mm -hmm. for you, I would say. Mm -hmm. Um, But how have you, like, what have you done to kind of reclaim that?
1: I've learned to say no. Mm. I focused on reclaiming the holidays for myself. And a part of that is what do I want to do? And I'm not going to do any more or less than that. Mm. So it's looked like staying home and doing the things that I really didn't have the experience of doing, like decorating my home, cooking the meal, you know, Mm. all like the treats and the cookies that are ridiculous basically allowing my inner kid to just have at it during mm-hmm. this time. Mm-hmm. And so that's been kind of the way that I've reclaimed that time. And, you know, to your grace, just letting me explode all over the condo. That's
0: great. <laughs> I have no complaints at all. As you can tell, if you're watching a video, Elizabeth keeps a very beautiful space. There are like a million plants in this room. It feels very homey. It's really well, great. Well,
1: you know, my moon's in Libra and your sun's in Libra. So we like beauty.
0: I yes, you're you're so, yeah. you're so right. You're so right. I love that for us. Um, in in your practice of like working with people, uh, you don't want to talk to you specifically about it, of course, mm-hmm. but just like broad strokes, is this a a, a time of the year, or a period of time where you, it feels like your work with people has been affected by the holidays, or were there they've been affected by the holidays?
1: Just globally, for anyone who is in their process Mm. and what do i mean by process healing journey in therapy self-actualization whatever that journey is and if that journey happens to have some sprinkling or spicy bits of trauma involved and if those spicy bits of trauma happen to be within that domain of relational trauma or developmental trauma that the holidays are just going to be hard. Yeah. Are there common
0: kinds of issues that tend to come up for people?
1: Can you be more specific?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, you talked a little bit about relational issues a second mm-hmm. ago, which, you know, makes total sense. Uh, you have to be around family members more. That can be very difficult for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I know that a common one for for many people is grief or feelings of sadness about both the imperfect nature of the relationships that they have, a grieving relationships that have been lost, whether it's literally lost or kind of more metaphorically lost. Mm-hmm. A big one for people can actually be this kind of grieving of something that was never actually there in the first place.
1: Yes. Yeah. that That lands.
0: This kind of like aspirational or wished for experience that a person just like never quite got to have. Yeah,
1: yeah. well, I think, and, and this kind of comes mostly from my experience working a lot with trauma, is that often there is a part in us that thinks, well, if X just happens, then the thing that I have been wishing for this whole time will happen. If my family just X, you know, whatever X is.
0: Appreciated me more, spoke to me differently, understood where I was coming from, whatever. Fill in the
1: blank. Yeah. Yeah. That there's a part that believes that if that were to happen, everything would just be okay. Yeah. The thing that was missing would finally happen. And I think the longer you move along your healing journey, and now this isn't for everyone, that dream can sometimes be shattered a bit mm. where we realize ooh no matter how much work i do on myself or no matter how much i dive into my own depths the people around me may never change and then what do i do about that ooh, mm. you know and i think that can be really alive for people around the holidays
0: yeah it feels like that becomes a big acceptance practice maybe mm-hmm. Do you find that if people can get to more of a place of acceptance around it, that it's useful for them psychologically?
1: I I don't think at least the work that I do does well when there is an agenda. Mm. You know, coming more from this somatic, trauma-informed lens. And I think that's the whole point of why the holidays are hard, because there is an agenda. Mm. There is an expectation of... Well, if I just get over this hurdle of sitting at the table with the family, yeah. then I can relax or then I can do what I actually want or then I can feel better. So I'm just like a little careful with labeling things in that way or, or viewing things in that kind of context. And I think this is also a part of my own practice being a therapist. You know, I'm not a researcher, I'm not. I'm yeah. not someone who's like looking at this, you know, I'm in it with people. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it it's it's less about like what tends to help people over the whole population of persons. Yeah. And much more about what's happening in the person who's sitting in front of you, which is a very different kind of thing.
1: Yeah. And I think that sometimes the generalization can cause harm. Yeah. Because there can also be a degree of shame. Like one of the things that I'm hoping we can talk to you today are, are glimmers, you know. Mm-hmm. But For instance, there was a time in my life where I couldn't take in the good. Mm. You know, to your dad's, you know, begrudging, uh, (laughs) you know.
0: (laughs) He never begrudged, let me be real. To his chagrin. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you know. Um,
1: He never knew. (laughs) Well, he probably did know, but I never said anything. (laughs) But there was just like more a part of me or just a part in my Mm. journey where I didn't have access to that. Mm hmm. And so it was really confusing and I felt a lot of internalized shame and a lot of rage, to be honest, Mm. uh, with even those concepts because it was like, I can't do that yet.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Now I'm at a place where I can and it's great. And I'm like, wow, Rick really knows what he's talking about. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But for some of us and me being included there are so many more steps we need and Mm -hmm. so much support we need between those two gaps.
0: Yeah, yeah, to get to a point where that kind of a thing is accessible for you.
1: Yeah, Yeah. and even letting go that maybe that isn't helpful for some people. Sure.
0: So you mentioned glimmers a second ago. Mm -hmm. This is a concept that has its roots in polyvagal theory. Mm -hmm. I think that it originally came from Deb Dana? Deb Dana?
1: Deb Dana, I think. Deb Dana, okay. Uh, yeah, I think that's where I heard it from. Yeah,
0: and then it, got, it blew up recently on social media. There was like a TikTok that went viral or something talking about it. And then Diego Young Pueblo on Instagram shared mm-hmm. a thing that had glimmers in it, and then it blew up even more. And so now it's like a term that's kind of circulating around. But if you haven't bumped into it yet, what's a glimmer?
1: So like you said, a glimmer comes from the polyvagal theory, mm-hmm. where there's basically a ladder of activation and we rise up and down the ladder throughout the day. And a glimmer is something that pulls us into ventral vagal or Mm -hmm. helps support us in ventral vagal, Mm -hmm. which is that window, you could say, of the nervous system where we feel great, we're able to relate, Mm -hmm. like, hey, I'm with you right now, and I feel okay, I'm not triggered in this moment. It's pretty cool, which is rare for me, to be honest. And so, especially in trauma work,
2: mm-hmm.
1: we want to uh, fill up someone's bag filled with glimmers because what becomes radical in trauma work is being able to take in joy.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: It's really easy to get in the the dark murk, you know? I mean, I am, I'm a grade A diver. I can dive deep and cry for days and wallow in my own stuff You've been uh, known to
0: do it from time to time. It has happened.
1: Oh, I think it's important sometimes. Yes, yeah, totally. You uh, got to excavate You got to go. You <laughs> got to go down there and find some gifts. Like, there's some important stuff there. Mm. But equally, it's much harder for me to stay in that kind of more ventral vagal or that social engagement part of my nervous system. So I have to work a little bit harder than maybe you to be there. So glimmers are things that I take in or I physically collect or I categorize inside of myself as things that if I'm around them or I do them or I see them or I engage with them, I know that they help pull me into that ventral vagal space.
0: Mm-hmm. I think that was a great explanation for starters. Okay. And you said something during it that I want to kind of like pull out as I think an important thread, which is that um, you said how that might be that ventral vagal space or that just to like use more colloquial language with it, that that state where we're calm and we're relational and we just like generally feel good. We're not activated in a problematic way. Mm-hmm. You mentioned that maybe that's a space that's easier for me to hang out in than it is for you to hang out in. Mm-hmm. And I think a really important point here is that that's about personal history. Yep. That's not that like I have done things that have earned me this space that you have not earned it. You
1: got the luck of the draw. Yeah, <laughs> I got the luck of the draw, baby.
0: I got the I got the family I was born into. Yeah. Luck. I got the well-regulated nervous system. Luck. I got the uh, pretty darn neurotypical brain. I think you would call that luck. Although I think there's some usefulness on all sides of that particular spectrum. But yeah.
1: Yeah. And I mean you you basically got the golden ticket because our society is set up for a cis oh. white man.
0: Oh yeah. I, I I got the white dude luck. Yeah, I got I got you. the tall luck. I mean I was a very, very lucky boy. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> good job.
0: <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, yeah. It's good. Golden ticket over here. Um yeah. And, and so like it's no shocker that it's a little easier for me to hang out in like a relational, calm, secure, safe space. Because I've had a lot of relational, calm, secure experiences over the course of my life. And you had far fewer of those Mm -hmm. growing up because you got a very different hand of cards. Yeah. Yeah.
1: No, I think that's a helpful distinction. Throughout my childhood and teens and early 20s, the majority of relationships were not safe. Mm Mm-hmm. And I kind of think about this in terms of domain. So like the realm of relationships and kind of all that it has is just like a minefield for me, to be honest. It's not easy and already even thinking about it, it's interesting what's starting to happen for me where I'm feeling a little fuzzy. Mm. Uh, I feel like my words are a little more difficult to get to. There's the color in the room has shifted. Everything's like a little bit dark, which just speaks to just calling in that awareness already starts to shift my Mm. nervous system in this more activated place. I'm aware of that. I'm noticing it happen. But I am like this because of what I have experienced. And now I'm going to drink from my pretty glass.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, okay, let's... If you're comfortable, yeah. Let's use this as an example. Let's use Perfect. this as a practice. Ooh, so sweaty. <laughs> so we started touching something uh-huh. that was like a little touchy for you. Yeah, or like, that more relational aspect of it, or maybe kind of going back into into memory of the ways that things used to be or, mm-hmm. or challenges that you've had. You're also a practicing therapist. You've learned a lot about what to do from here. You were just talking about glimmers, things that can kind of pull you out of it. When you're in a state like that, what do you do? Like how do you work with that?
1: Well, what I'm doing right now is that I drink from my pretty cup which gives <laughs> me a heap of dopamine, so
0: <laughs> we love a pretty cup.
1: Also, it's an ice cold drink, so mm. that helps with the vasovagal dilation, so I just had a huge sensation in my body of coolness which kind mm-hmm. of drops me in I'm noticing a lot more sensation, so I'm I'm looking at you now. I've oriented towards you which allows me to kind of ground I put my body in a more comfortable position for me, which allows mm-hmm. me to feel more grounded. And I am, as I'm talking to you, I am consciously like trying to take in more of my peripheral. So I'm noticing the fern over there and I'm noticing the green over there and the green at the far end of there. And mm. we have some bounty thing <laughs> up there. So I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to ground and take in as yeah. much that I am here right now mm. with you and that it is safe. Does that
0: make sense? No, a million percent. Okay. Yes. Yeah. A million million percent. Yes. I was just trying to think about. Yeah, I'm just trying to figure out the right way to put this. Basically, I want to ask, like, how did you learn how to do that?
1: Ooh, I think I learned. I mean, I think I learned it by learning yeah, how to be a therapist. Totally,
0: and that's why I. That wasn't like quite the right way to put that question. Basically, like, there's a difference between having a tool and being able to use a tool. Yes. There's there's a huge gap between knowing cognitively on some level that there are these ways that I can do things to do all the stuff you just did. And then there's in the moment recognition that these things would be useful, mm-hmm. the ability to apply them, and the ability to actually feel it in your body as you're doing it in a way that brings you some soothing. And I'm mm-hmm. wondering how you like close that gap.
1: Mm, that's a really good question. Oh, thank you. It's also great to kind of get a little bit in your head Like, oh, that's how he does it.
0: (laughs) Get into interviewer forest a little
1: bit. Um, So you go to words first. I go Mm -hmm. to sensations first. So my body takes me to tension Mm -hmm. or physical places of resistance. Mm -hmm. I think what makes it hard to integrate a, a practice or a tool is because it is going to put you up against resistance of some kind, whether that's, really, you know, rocking from side to side is going to help me, you know? I mean, gosh, I just got to say, some of the stuff that works for me, I don't even know why it works. And some of the stuff I share in my practice, I'm like, let's give it a go, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. So it can appear very simple or very silly or almost juvenile in in a way, you know, like kid-like. But our bodies are not that evolved. Mm. Like our body is more similar to an animal than some type of cerebral alien, you know? And I think we have to get really real about how simple our body needs things to be, Mm. especially if we're activated or in a triggered state. Mm. And what makes all of that difficult is if you have a trauma background starting to move your nervous system with these tools will feel destabilizing at first. You will get either the ick or the, uh, or the what's going on, you know? And so that's why it takes a lot of slowness and care because even moving a nervous system into what is generally regulating can also be dysregulating. Mm. And it can sometimes not feel so great at first, and you have to be willing to tolerate the discomfort to get to comfort. Mm-hmm. So for me, I am a weirdo. Like I'm pretty okay sitting in a lot of discomfort because mm-hmm. I'm curious what's on the other side. So for me, I would really sit with these practices. And you know, you're introduced to a lot in graduate school, it's sort of like, Everyone's throwing raw eggs and like what's going to stick to the wall, you know? And I, there's so much that I'm like, I'm just going to pay attention to what's sticking to my wall. And so the stuff that I just modeled, that's the stuff that stuck. That's mm, the stuff mm, that was yeah. actually a little bit easier for me to get into. Yeah. Because I could not top down regulate myself.
0: Yeah. And so much of this, I think it's part of what you're speaking to, I think, is just about the individuality of this whole process, right? Yeah. Yeah. If you like being well, I think you'll really enjoy The Dr. John Delaney Show. Dr. John's show was recently in the top five of all podcasts on Apple Podcasts, which is just an incredible accomplishment, and it speaks to how much value people get out of the show. Dr. John has a PhD in counseling, and he's been working with people for over 20 years. And the show has a very cool format. Real people call into the show, and he walks them through how to navigate a tough situation related to common challenges. Maybe it's something related to their relationships, anxieties, or emotional well-being. He explores a lot of topics that are similar to what we talk about on this podcast, but while we can sometimes be pretty theoretical in nature, the format of John's show just creates a lot of directness and practicality to it. I think it's actually a really nice complement to what we do here on Being Well. No matter what you're going through, the Dr. John Delaney Show is here for you. And if you ever need some advice, you know who to call. Listen to The Dr. John Delaney Show wherever you get your podcasts, or follow the link on our website. If you're like me, you've probably started to pay closer attention to your long-term health as you've aged. Turning 35 was a bit of a wake-up call for me, and I'm always looking for good sources of information, because it's often really difficult to separate fact from fiction when it comes to our physical health. We had Dr. Tim Spector on the podcast a few years ago, he's a professor of genetic epidemiology, and the scientific co-founder at Zoe. And the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast is truly one of the best resources out there when it comes to this stuff. With the help of world-leading scientists, they help you make smarter health choices every week. And you don't have to just take my word for it. Avid podcast fan Stephanie's Apple Review says the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast is a life-changing, science-based, myth-busting podcast. That's a must-listen for anyone who eats food and wants to understand how it affects their body. With the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, you can join Stephanie and millions of others transforming their health. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts. As somebody who's really struggled with skin issues like acne over the course of my life, I know just how great it is to not stress about what's going on with your skin. That's why I'm excited to tell you about today's sponsor, OneSkin. Their products make it easy to keep your skin healthy while looking and feeling your best. No complicated routine, no multi-step protocols, just simple, scientifically validated solutions. The secret is OneSkin's proprietary OS01 peptide. It's the first ingredient proven to work with the aging cells that cause lines, wrinkles, and thinning skin. And as somebody who's used plenty of complicated routines in the past, I love the simplicity of using their OSO1 face topical peptide. Just cleanse, pat your skin dry, and apply it twice daily. Get started today with 15% off using code BEINGWELL at oneskin.co. That's 15% off, oneskin.co, with code BEINGWELL. After your purchase, they'll ask you where you came from, and please support the show and tell them that we sent you. One of the things that you've you've mentioned in kind of very general ways when talking about therapy is that a lot of it kind of comes down to finding a way in that works for that individual person. Mm-hmm. And it's less about like, this is the right way to do therapy and much more about, okay, what's the right way to do therapy with this particular client?
1: Yeah. yeah. For one person, they could do a bunch of somatic practices and it's not therapeutic.
0: Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: But for some people, just sitting on a couch, not even talking, is somehow therapeutic. Sure. And I guess I'm in that like kind of psychopomp, I don't know what's going on, but stuff's happening, man, kind of phase.
0: When you're doing work with people, you have a somatic orientation, a body driven orientation to therapy. Mm-hmm. I would imagine most people who come into your practice are wanting to do body based work. Yeah. And there's a lot of good evidence that more bottom-up interventions or modalities are really, really good for working with particular kinds of issues, Mm -hmm. namely for some people developmental forms of trauma, but then also relational issues, issues with the body itself. I would also imagine that sometimes people come into the room because they feel like they're not good at being somatic. And so they're like, yeah, I'm going to work with a somatic therapist to get better at being somatic.
3: Mm -hmm. And so
0: maybe there's some resistance to that kind of work, Mm -hmm. the kind of weirdness that you're talking about, the kind of vagueness, the kind of like, I don't know, man, we're just going to throw it at the wall and see what happens over here. How do you start working with that if somebody is more uncomfortable with that?
1: Wow, this is cool. So for starters, there is a purpose to the I don't know mind. Mm -hmm. Because in my experience, we spend so much time anyway trying to think our way through our feelings, trying to think our way out of our body. So in order to drop into that more somatic domain, you have to kind of embrace that no-mind space.
3: Mm
1: -hmm. Like the, I don't know, we're just trying, we're just exploring. Mm -hmm. Because something starts to happen where you create more space for the somatic experience to arrive. Hmm. So for folks who often feel, oh, I'm bad at somatics, I want to get better at this, the challenge is getting to that no-mind state, that there is no good or bad, there is no right or wrong way, it's just sitting in it and that's pretty uncomfortable because especially in our culture there is that doing stuff and i i can even get caught into it. I'm mm. that's currently where i'm working right now is trusting a little bit more that just being present, just noticing what's happening and not abandoning ourselves by immediately going upstairs is powerful it's Mm -hmm. doing something and it sounds really bizarre when i talk about it because i'm inherently Mm -hmm. taking something that is a physical experience and i'm trying to talk about it up here Mm -hmm. and so a lot's getting missed in that translation yeah so what we're trying to do in somatics is give enough to that mind so that it feels safe you know and we have to learn how to like talk up here because we talk, we engage. This is like an important space. That's what we're doing here. That's yeah. what we're doing. Totally. But not at the detriment of what's going on in here.
0: Hmm. Mm-hmm. For somebody who is more there, particularly for somebody who tends to like cognitively bypass or like bounce up into the head when they're having those feelings, are there practices that you do with people or things that you do with people to start kind of opening the door in a, in a comfortable way?
1: Bringing awareness to what's happening. Mm-hmm. That we where are we right now? Oh, we're we're up in the head. Why are we in the head? Like, what happened right before we got up there? Hmm. So that's one inquiry. Sometimes, the other piece is not making someone feel bad for being a cognitive person. You know, I feel like in my field, there can it can very easily sound like there is a critical judgment about being cognitive or cerebral. And that is just not true. Hmm. Everyone is cognitive because we think, and everybody is somatic because we have a body. You know, we're not a brain (laughs) in a vat of juice, you know?
0: (laughs) The Futurama scenes, brains in jars, yeah.
1: Yeah, you know, so it becomes about what are you identified with? What do you give value to? Where do you go in times of stress? Where do you not go? Mm. Do you feel fragmented or do you feel whole? Mm. And I think that's the sauce. It's about including. You know, for you, maybe because you're more cerebral or cognitive, it's about how can you include the somatic? It's not about leaving or abandoning that facility that you have. It's about can you mm. include this? And then equally for me, can I somehow become more mental? <laughs> <laughs> I my natural state is being a nonverbal amoeba that just rolls around.
0: Rolling around in bed, swaddling yourself in blankets. Making, the whole thing.
1: you know, noises and that are not, you know, just like beep beep ba-da-ba-doop. You, know? <laughs>
0: <laughs> you do like to do a certain ba-doop ba dooping around the house. Yeah.
1: So, Sometimes I'm not aware I'm doing it, uh, to be honest.
0: So what feels good about that for you?
1: And it's also a way to just move some energy. Mm,
0: mm-hmm.
1: You know? This just reminds me that when we hum, or we use our voice in certain ways, or we move the vocal cords, or just start to feel internal vibration, from a somatic sense, that is stimulating the vagus nerve, that is helping move us into a regulated state. So I don't know, because I'm not looking at myself when I do it, but I'm probably Making those sounds when I am down regulating, mm, or when yeah. I'm regulating into that ventral vagal state. Yeah, you know, I, I, like sometimes I joke, and it's like I got to get the weird out, but like it's true. I have to move in a way, or like make a sound, and then I'm like, Ooh, yeah,
0: yeah. I think that um, excessive physical holding is a huge source of anxiety for people, and yeah. a huge source of suffering for people. And I say this as like the most neurotypical person on the planet, as near as I can tell. For a long time, I think that I just thought that I was supposed to be still all of the time, and so I was. Mm-hmm. And I used to have a lot more anxiety than I do these days. And one of the things that's really changed for me is I've gotten way more comfortable just shaking my body if I need to shake my body, or standing up if I need to stand up while I'm working, or. You know, stretching on the floor if that's what I need to do. Uh, of course, i used to I used to dance a lot. These days, I dance a little bit less, but I still dance. And that was a huge outlet for me. Mm-hmm. Just moving the body in that way. And so, you know, I just want to kind of invite people, even if even if they don't think of themselves as somebody who does that kind of a thing, you know, we can have those judgments about those sorts of behaviors, to like really try it on mm-hmm. and explore just moving your body a little bit more in a informal, kind of casual way throughout the day. if you just have a moment where you're like, Man, it would feel really good to shake my hands right now. Mm -hmm. Just like do a little shaking. Like, wow, that would feel great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. move your shoulders. Whatever it is, Mm -hmm. you know, there's the classic like, relax your throat and lower your shoulders or whatever. But like, just any kind of movement that happens to feel good for you.
1: Mm -hmm. You know, I was told a very similar story too. Mm -hmm. Of you know, be still. Yeah. Be composed, poised. Don't be weird. And I think it's really detrimental and I've been getting really curious mm-hmm. about who told you that? Like who yeah. who told you that being still was better? Mm. Who told you that allowing discomfort and tension to be there because it's appropriate, you know? Like who who gave you that story? It's kinda weird
0: if you think about it. Yeah. yeah.
1: Like I'm gonna sit here in c- discomfort because I don't want you to think that I'm bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> like, I've embraced bizarre at this point. I'm like lean dead i've I've liberated myself yeah and and the difference is I also have a d h d you know I need to move in order to think. if I don't move, you've seen it mm-hmm. collapse, yeah. You go, the the dopamine drains out and you're just like. The
0: vacant eyes. Ah, right, you like know, gaze off at space.
1: <laughs> She's gone. <you> know? <laughs> the
0: lights are on, no one is home.
1: Yeah. And the thing is, is this like movement for me or just allowing my body to mm-hmm. be more free. It helps me regulate. These are the things that actually help me stay here. Yeah and i think what was so challenging for me a lot I, growing up as a kid was that it was a, there was a very clear message to me that the things that make me feel comfortable make other people uncomfortable mm, or somehow mm. they're inappropriate and, and therefore i cannot do them yeah and now i'm like well <laughs> i'm gonna do them <laughs> so
0: so taking it maybe Finding our way full circle back to the holidays here. Yeah, one of the reasons that all right, there's a door in the background. I'll say that again.
1: We're in the flow. It, it, we're <laughs> in the flow.
0: Never mind. I won't say it again. No, no retakes.
1: <laughs> pure, pure agent
0: of chaos yeah. over here. <laughs> <laughs> so, one of the reasons that the holidays could be kind of kind of tough for people is because maybe they found some of these things mm-hmm. in their life yeah. when they're in their condo or their apartment, their home, whatever it is, and now they're they're returning to you know, to go full Hamilton here to the room where it happened. Yeah. You know, the relationships with the people who told them, no, you aren't supposed to do those things. You are supposed to sit still and you are supposed to regulate yourself. And sorry, you can't move around in that. And that can just be like incredibly difficult for people, for starters. So first, just naming that. Second, like, are there things that you think help people in being able to have, calm what you will, like healthy boundaries with their family or just like liberate themselves in those ways, even when other people are going to judge them for it?
1: Something I want to add, mm-hmm. the body remembers mm. and we fall back very much in an unconscious way into the roles of the family system. Yeah, totally. And this is what I think can very easily sound wooey, but it's not, where a family system has a lot of relational Psychic and emotional force,
0: totally. And this is, by the way, like super well studied and yeah, very yeah. established. No, yeah, totally. I
1: own I'm kooky, but no, I'm, this I'm is, not this is not a kooky is moment. This is a boilerplate <laughs> as it gets.
0: Family systems and family systems theory, like family systems, are incredibly rigid and yeah. they really resist change. Yeah, totally.
1: And often, no one is doing this consciously. Hmm. A yeah. lot of this is happening in that the dark merc, the unconscious realm. Mm-hmm. So when you have started this journey, and, and you know, for those of you who are starting to do trauma work or you're working with those parts of yourself, part of that is you become aware of, of all the gunk that your body has to endure when you are in your family system,
2: mm-hmm.
1: in, when your body is in physical proximity to it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And for some people, there can be like a, a little discomfort, but you know they can work through it and and okay, yeah, cool, cool, and they can find like some ease, like okay, cool, but for other people, that can feel horrible, yeah or horrific in mm-hmm. a way, it can feel like you're losing yourself mm. again after you maybe just barely like got a grip Found on your it. way out, yeah so for me, I just I want to own first off, I'm biased here. Mm -hmm. And I by no means am advocating to cut people out of your life. But I do think that there is a place for you getting really real with where you are at and asking your body, can we be in proximity to this family system? Mm -hmm. Or is this going to actually be re-traumatizing for my nervous system at this time? And making both options totally okay. Sometimes the safest option is you just got to go. Yeah. And you got to trust that your body can get you through it and deal with the aftermath later because avoiding it might bring you more harm. And, mm-hmm. and there's totally a space for that. Mm-hmm. There's also totally a space to say, no, I'm not going. And I'm a big fan of the little white lie. <laughs> oh, I'm sick. You know, and again, I'm not advocating for lying, but sometimes in very extreme cases where there is a lot of emotional harm that is happening, that can be the safest and kindest thing that we can do for ourselves. (laughs) The other piece, which I think kind of gets more to your question, is thinking about can you look at the entire forest rather than being caught or lost within the trees? Mm. And what I mean by this is when you can kind of hold the whole family system as a whole, sometimes it can be a little bit easier on your nervous system. When you're just sitting in there and learning to appreciate, wow, my little kid body was a genius. Mm. Look at this mess, and I'm still here. Look at this mess, this chaos that is happening all around me, and I'm still here. That can be really empowering for some people, and it can open up the doors to a lot of compassion because maybe you start to look at the members of your family differently and go like, whoa, they had no options they didn't actually do this on purpose, you know? Or, wow, like when we're all in this system, I can't even stop myself. I start to talk the old way and I start to move the, wow. It's almost like we're possessed, you know? If I can't help myself, they can't help themselves. But again, it's all very complicated and there is the risk of being in a lot of chaos. And so I think really getting clear by slowing things way down and going through options like the body can't tell the difference between imagination, memory and what's actually happening. Mm-hmm. So if you sit down and you imagine what it might be like to sit, you know, in a scenario that might be the scenario that is your Christmas or the holidays or whatever that looks like and you're feeling horrible inside, that tells you something.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Or you think about it and you feel a little bit of discomfort, but there's a part of you that, yeah, I'm going to be okay. That tells you a lot of information. So navigating the boundaries that you need in order to stay with yourself, love yourself, but be in relationship to other people. And I think that's the thing that boundaries are. It's like, what agreements or what things do I need to do so that I can be with you?
0: One of the phrases that you use sometimes that I like is like, "What's the space that I need to love you?"
1: Yeah, yeah. And sometimes for me, it's another state.
0: <laughs> <laughs> sometimes it's a lot of space. Sometimes it's, it's miles, multiple zip codes. We are we are a plane flight away. Yeah. We are not a car drive away. Yeah, but you know that space really helps me out. Yeah. <laughs> so, what's helped you, if you don't mind me asking? Like, what's helped you, or maybe what do you think has helped people? Learn how to take in those good experiences a little bit more. Whether that's glimmers, like we were talking about earlier, or just anything where you feel like you can make like an actual positive change inside of yourself or have a good experience and like actually feel at land.
1: I think the first step is uh, agency. Hmm. Feeling like well, you- I love this, speaking my language. <laughs> I, I, I do. Like I think it's you feeling for once that you're the one in control. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if I wanted to right now, you couldn't stop me. Sure. I could stand on our fridge, and that makes <laughs> me feel amazing. You know, <laughs> I
0: I'm just—I'm having a visual of waking up one morning and walking out here, and you're just crouched on top of our fridge like yeah. a little marsupial. It might
1: happen. <laughs> that sounds great. You're just koala. Yeah, up there. I, but I think also feeling like you can change your environment. Mm. Impact the things around you, you know. Speaking of glimmers, kind of our whole house has become like a huge glimmer for me. Yeah, it's a
0: canvas, totally.
1: Yeah, and also I'm artistic, and you know, my moon's in Libra, so like <laughs> full I full circle. I like to be around beauty, and beauty is resourcing. Mm. We like we as human beings are supposed to be around beautiful things. And that doesn't mean material things all the time. Like our natural habitat is to be outside. We're not supposed to be in these four walls that are all painted gray, the millennial gray turnover home, mm. you know, or, or these concrete cities. Our body is built to be in beauty. And I mean, one of the things that I feel I'm so blessed and what helps me take in the good is that I get to witness the beauty in people. Mm -hmm. People who don't think sometimes that they're this like unique being that is special. And I'm like, you are special. Like I'm looking at you going, whoa, you know, like of the things that you have been through and I get to talk to you, like Mm -hmm. you get to share this space with me and you're telling me like the treasures that are in you, which is your experience and how you think about things and all of that, like that is beautiful. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful to witness people express themselves and feel like they can maybe for the first time. And I think by being in that energy so much, it's allowed me to, it's liberated me to express myself more.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: It's liberated me to be like, I am, just by being me, I am worthy of being heard and seen. Mm. Because when I'm holding that space for another person, there's no part of me, honestly, that is going, whoa, or judging or being critical. I'm amazed most of the time of like, wow. Yeah. And I don't think you can be a therapist and not be changed. And I think I have changed a ton Especially just in my associateship, because it has brought me more and more liberation, mm-hmm. and I think that's the bit with agency, is it's liberation.
0: Yeah, can you feel free? Yeah. So there's this idea that you know you're probably familiar with at the very least because I've probably mentioned it around the house sometime about like the roots of depression are experiences of entrapment and defeat, and that's the phrase entrapment and defeat, and I just think that that's such a An interesting phrase because you're talking about agency experiences, right? Experiences of freedom where you can make a choice, experiences of like seeing beautiful things in other people, allowing that to be almost a way into seeing beautiful things in yourself because you're like, wait, all those other people have it out there. What if I applied those same ideas to myself? You know, like just as I can get on somebody else's side, I can get on my own side, I can be on my own team you know, it's not an original idea, but so many of just the structures that we have set up socially in terms of how we do families or how we do friendships, they're built to give us experiences of entrapment and defeat over and over again, where people feel very just like controlled and constrained by their circumstances. Thank you, San Rafael Police Department.
1: (laughs) Okay. Every time that happens in a (laughs) session for me, I feel like it's the universe that's going like, yeah, we're onto to something. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> that is the most Elizabeth take I've ever heard. Well, there's a siren in the background. I really take that as a sign. Yeah. <laughs> God, I love this for you. But yeah, so anyways, I, I don't mean to get like too technical here about it or anything, but just having a real sensitivity toward when those experiences are coming up for you. Mm-hmm. Like, What are the experiences that give you, the listener, a feeling of entrapment and defeat? I've definitely gone through my own life and been like, this isn't serving me because it makes me feel that way. And how can we more and more kind of take control at the very least of the environments that we're in, of the people who are surrounding us, and make our choices more and more on the basis of what gives us a feeling of freedom as opposed to the feeling of being trapped.
1: Yeah. And giving ourselves a whole lot of grace with this Mm -hmm. because like, there are still situations where i feel that i feel that entrapment and i feel that defeat and now look i've done a lot of work on myself i'm aware to some degree what's happening but that doesn't mean i can stop it from happening and i'm at a place right now in my journey where i'm aware <laughs> you know i'm a, i'm aware where this comes from i know it's me i joke sometimes i'm the problem um but there are just certain social situations mm. that the kindest thing that I can do to myself at this moment is to say no, because my body recreates that feeling of entrapment and defeat. And mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what's like, someone is like, it's safe here. And I'm like, oh, hell no, you oh. know? And, and also I am very sensitive to the shift. Like, it feels so good for me to be in our home where I know you're not judging me. Or if you do, you do it in a funny way. Um, <laughs> like,
0: I don't do it deliberately these yeah, days, that's for sure. But
1: I've learned to laugh at it, you yeah. know? it Like, we have joined in some way. Like, oh yeah. And then I call you out on your cookie stuff. Because you have I, I
0: got some cookies. You do. That is for sure.
1: But there's this experience that I have where I feel the parts of me that know how to take care of me when I'm experiencing that entrapment and defeat or I'm in a social situation that's starting to create that, that I have a judgment of myself by. like It starts to bring forward a ton of limiting beliefs. It starts to put me in contact with a wound. And then I am in survival mode sitting at the dinner table around people. Mm -hmm. And I'm so gone that I can't do the resourcing i don't have access to glimmers i am just white knuckling it trying to get through it yeah and i think right now i'm learning how to be with that and i this is like a huge unknown spot for me you know i am i am in the beginning of this phase of this journey for myself i'm aware of it but it's painful and it sucks, and it's like, damn, I wish I could be different, honestly, Mm. but I can't. And that's okay.
0: Yeah, for me, that's just the acceptance piece of it. Yeah. Kind of maybe going back to where we started in a way. What I've been practicing with a lot is notions around attachment. Yeah. And because acceptance is fundamentally about being unattached, Mm -hmm. to think about it that way. Where you have this sort of light holding of whatever the object of desire is. Mm-hmm. And the more contracted that we become around the object of desire, maybe for you, that's wanting to be a certain kind of way in this moment that you're describing. Or maybe it's like the frustration of seeing the goalpost or something, but you're, but you're still in the shit for whatever yeah. reason. Like there's a desire there. The desire is natural. The desire isn't really the problem. The problem is the contraction. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the cling to the desire. Like we can see something and and have a sort of amorphous like, oh, that would be nice, but is it oh, that would be nice, or is it contracted craving? Is it that region in Poland? and for me, just in my life i've I've been trying to to work more on seeing that and like noticing that appear in my mind, particularly in kind of an automatic way, where it becomes this almost like auto wanting is a, a phrase that Rick will use sometimes? my dad,
1: good old Rick, good old, good old Rick,
0: <laughs> good old Dr. Hansen, yeah. Um, auto wanting, just like you're fine, yeah we're we're sitting here, we're having a great conversation. I've got like my glass of water over there. I'm doing just fine, I'm fully regulated, and still you can see this little like hum in the back of the mind.
3: Mm-hmm. It's
0: looking for something to want. Oh, I'm looking forward to the this. What about the that? What if I adjusted in this way? Oh, maybe I should move the camera a little bit to the left. yeah, you know what I mean, And that's just a source of so much suffering in life and so much totally unnecessary suffering.
1: And this is what I think the value of somatics kind of mm. is. Because the more you can include the body, the more you, you can go from this to just this. Yeah. And it's kind of like, I, I can feel that in you too. For those who
0: are listening, she went from a pulling toward herself oh, yeah. motion to a kind of holding in front of her without the pull motion. Yes. It's just
1: The, the, the resting, <laughs> right?
0: Shout out to the podcast listeners.
1: <laughs> We love y'all. But yeah, like because what you're talking about is through that top down. And I'm connecting with you by being aware of the bottom up. Mm-hmm. Like I'm noticing as time has gone on, we've both slowed down a lot. Our rhythm together has slowed. There is a posture that has shifted where you're a little bit lower in your body. I am too. There's more play that starts to happen. We're mm-hmm. laughing a bit more. There's, you know, something is energetically is getting past a little bit more. And when we can become aware of that, right, I think that is in support of that like middle path, you know, of getting to the place where, oh, right now I'm in this gesture, which is mm-hmm. the towards me, out of me. There's that this craving, desire, ugh, kind of a thing. Yeah. How do I go from, uh, to, uh, and again, reaching that state where you're just in your body here right now, and you're not thinking about a whole lot.
0: Yeah. And that being a resource space for people maybe who are listening. If you're somebody who's listening to this on Christmas day and you're with your family and maybe you uh, needed to take a moment. To walk yeah. outside, go for a little walk around the block or whatever it is. This we'll would be,
1: be your cousins. Yeah, we'll hey, go on the walk with you. This would
0: be a long walk at this point. I mean, if you, really, if, if you were able to get out for an hour just circling the block, I mean, you've probably had quite a day, and I'm sorry to hear that. So if anybody's <laughs> in that position. But yeah, I mean, like, if you're listening to this practically, and you've been having a stressful time recently, and you've probably been doing a lot of thinking about that stressful time because that's what we do. This is just like a little invitation to soften the body a little bit, relax down, feel a little bit more comfortable.
1: I'm wondering if you're open to trying something. Yeah, sure. Something, you know, might be helpful, might not be. Like I say sometimes, if this lands great, if it doesn't, throw it out like trash. I want just to kind of offer just a small little practice.
0: Great. Because yeah.
1: we've been talking about glimmers a bit in like a mental way, and I want to walk us through including the body so i want you to either think of a person place thing memory Mm -hmm. idea that you can without thinking about it too much is like that's really positive or that ooh, that's great and it could be something complex or simple i'm actually able to look at one of my glimmers, which Mm, is our mm -hmm. Papasan chair over there. Mm, And there uh are pillows, and there's this really soft, white, cream-colored blanket, and it's really, really soft, really fuzzy. So part of the practice of a glimmer is that even when I'm not home, I can just imagine the image of that chair, and it already starts to kind of come into my mind as a positive thought or memory. But as a somatic-based person, that often isn't enough for me. So even right now, even though I have like the gift of actually looking at it, I can start to imagine what it feels like, like almost playing with the texture of the blanket on my hands, how it feels when I kind of curl myself up on it. I can even feel the like slightly uncomfortable pressure in my hip because of the cushion is worn because I've sat in it so long, but it's it's, it's comforting. You know, mm-hmm. it's not too dis- uncomfortable. And I can also call up memories as I'm bringing my body into that of nights when it's been dark and it's just lit with candles. And so that's low sensory for me and I just feel really calm and happy. And then the next part that comes up is I can even hear your laugh when you come out of a space and and you're like, ah, because I'm so quiet, you know, and and it spooks you a little bit, which is kind of cute and funny. And then we laugh about it. There's a moment of connection associated with this chair and this glimmer. And I can even kind of like feel myself like in my body when that kind of happens. And already as I am embracing that glimmer and thinking about it and including my body in that experience, I'm noticing in this moment that I feel very present. I am aware of how my body physically feels right now. Mm. Points of discomfort, but also points of comfort. And I'm noticing that there's really no anxiety in my body in this moment and that I feel really good and you can do that with anything yeah it can be a rock it could be a video game it can be a person like a remembering a glimmer of like hugging someone you really care about it could be a pet like a glimmer can be anything but part of what gives it resource and power is taking the time to walk yourself through it
0: Mm -hmm. yeah i think that's a really beautiful practice elizabeth for starters and you did it and a way that, that felt very authentic and very loved in and helped kind of carry me through it as you we were doing it. And so I think you just gave like a really great sense of what that can feel like for people.
1: How do you feel?
0: Feel great, feel relaxed, feel calm. And I also feel good because I feel like we kind of did the thing here. I'm, yeah. I'm I mean we could just it's one of those things where we could just keep on going. We could yeah. sit on the couch and talk about psychology stuff yeah. for essentially endlessly. Yeah. But I really just kind of hope that this has been helpful for people or that at the very least, if it hasn't been helpful, it's been fun to listen to. Yeah. And we've you know provided a little bit of extra happiness and support during during a time of the year that can be really wonderful for some people and can also be really complicated for people. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else that you want to leave people with or you want to mention on the way out here?
1: I think ending with a lot of self-compassion. Hmm that you're not alone. At least I'm with you. This time can suck, suck ass. Um, and
0: <laughs> I'm generally pro-holidays, yeah, but, but yeah. that's just from my, my formative experiences. You know?
1: And and that too, you know, like there, it's not all bad yeah. and it's not all great. Yeah. And both are absolutely okay. And however you are feeling today, you are not alone. Mm. There is another person on this planet that is having the same feelings you are feeling. And sometimes I think that can be really helpful because it's like, wow, what would you do if someone was having an experience that mirrored yours?
2: Mm.
1: You you probably wouldn't get angry at them. You probably wouldn't be like, wow, Jim, you really got to get a grip. You know, you would be like, Wow, I feel you, and I feel the same way. Hmm. And so, just offering that to ourselves, you know, acknowledging whether it's good or bad, this is how I feel, and that's okay. Well,
0: I think that's a great note to end on, Elizabeth. This has been really great. Yeah. We should sew on the couch in our, uh, in our living room, in our little condo more often.
1: We should. And look, you've been wanting to sit on the couch. I
0: have. I've been wanting to do an episode this way for so long. And I've always just been like worried about the sound quality and all of these other things that frankly, probably aren't as important as just having a good time with it.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: But yeah, but it's been great to do this. So if you're listening, if you're watching, whatever you're doing, thanks so much for spending this time with us. And we'll see you next year.